Thank you for tuning into a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy! Uh, welcome. If you've never been before, my name's Aaron Mastered. I'm a pastor here. What you can expect today is a service that's positive, it's relevant and real. It may be different than other churches in the area, but we want you to know that we're still true to the Bible. We take God very seriously here, and we want to help you take your next step each week you're here. Honestly, that's our goal today, and that's our goal every week at church. But with the plans to be originally sitting outside in the sun at the park... Um, it's just going to be a, a bit of a shorter sermon, actually, because that was the plan. You're going to be hot and sweaty and restless, so I'm sticking with the shorter sermon. Who's in favor of that? All right, I, I see a lot of people. No one ever complains about that. If the service does feel longer to you, I promise it's not me. It might be the wiggles of your kids, actually, which just makes us appreciate our kids' ministry volunteers even more, right? <laughs> but anyways, they didn't want to leave you hanging, so if your kid didn't get a, a bag as they walked in, make sure you go out and grab that. You can get that out in the foyer. Um, it's meant to help you just keep those restless kids sometimes uh, engaged. But this Sunday, the message that I have for you is I'm going to kind of cut right to the chase with it of what I hope you leave with from today. I want you to leave with the idea that your faith, it should be public. And I hope you have a new way as you leave today to show it. Because if you are a God-following person, it should be visible to the outside world. And specifically in three ways of how it should be visible. You should love differently, you should learn intentionally, and you should live sincerely. Because when you have real change from God, God that happens internally, you shouldn't be able to contain it. It just comes out of us. So I'm going to close us with that and pray that we end up doing that. Okay, so it's not that short of a sermon today. And I want you to have something more practical to do than just hear the words like love and live and learn. So what I'm going to do to get us start thinking about change a little bit here uh, on that a bit more is I want to play a, a little game with you. And even though we're hardly two minutes into the message, I might lose some of your respect in the next thing that we do here. But if that's you, I just want to remind you this service was meant to be a family-friendly service outside engaging for all, all right? Uh, but what, what we're going to do is uh, just think for a second. When something is inside you, it does something, right? It changes, it transforms, like transformation happens within you. Things are processed, and that process of change internally, it releases something, and it's usually expressed out loud, as in outside your body in some way, and without you having full control of when and how it comes out, as it just makes a noise and leaks out. Some of y'all know maybe where I'm probably going with this. But for our game, what I'm going to do is I'm going to produce a noise through the speakers, not literally, that probably comes from your body at times, and I want you to guess what it is. And internally, what is it that would make that happen? All right, so here's the first one. So it's a, like a laugh or a giggle, and like it usually would be like when something like someone says something funny and you process it as that. How about this one? Something's churning, right? Something's churning in the stomach. How about this one? It's funny. <laughs> it's, you maybe drank a few too many bubblies or something. I don't know. Uh, how about this one? <laughs> <laughs> 
oh yeah. Happiness, right? Oh yeah. Like something good happens to you and you're like, oh yeah. How about this one? <laughs> happens or maybe it's not that, it's this. It's okay to laugh in church. <laughs> or this one. Fear, right? And then usually that follows that sometimes. Um, or this one. Ah, when you're restful, something in, you internalize the fact that you don't have to move. Like these all come out after something internally went in us. Like the funny thing that person said to you, you heard it and it just makes you laugh. Or drinking too many bubbly waters or LaCroix or sodas and it's just got you belching. Or you ate Taco Bell and yeah. Or you went to Ponderosa and your stomach has got like just a lot going on. Or you witnessed something scary and you screeched in fear. Or you sat on the couch and your brain just relaxed because you realize you don't have to move for the next hour. Something just comes out of us. And although we can usually suppress these noises and make them silent-ish, right, when we need to, some of us are better at that than others, um, but they still come out of us. And they can be quite public and noticeable if we let them. Now, the reason I bring this up, as silly as it maybe is in a church service, is this relates to our inner transformation with God. If we experience true transformation from God as in accepted Him and put Him into our lives, there should be something going on inside us. And that internal change and processing, it should produce something outside of you. It should produce something that just leaks out of you that you can't fully control. Sure, we can suppress some of our faith change or, or make it silent-ish at times, which some of us do, but there should be something noticeably different about you. Check out what, the Paul, what Paul, a writer of a lot of the Bible, wrote about this in Philippians. He says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what is pleasing to Him or what pleases Him. Do you have that? Do you have the desire and the power to do what is pleasing to God? Is it noticeable and naturally coming out of you? What is it what another person would say they see in you that's oozing out of you? If you don't or haven't experienced something like that or seen life change like that, it's worth asking the question, have you really accepted God into your life? Because when you input food or drink or humor, something changes within you and it becomes public eventually. When God is in your life, you should change and it should become public. Now you might not like that saying right away. You might be like, whoa, 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 pastor, pastor, pastor. I thought being connected to Jesus and being a Christian is just this free gift. It's this free gift from God. I'm to accept it. I'm to believe it. And then I'm good. Check. I'm good. You're saying right now, pastor, that I need to change what do you mean change? What do you mean things need to be evident in my faith? If that's you and you're thinking, maybe, even, maybe you're even a bit confused right now. I hear you. I hear you. Because throughout the Bible, we have verses that sound like that's it. Check this out. Like Acts 16.31, it says, And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, and you and your household. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says, Believe right? Believe. For me, so much of my early years growing up was set on thinking that that is just what I needed to do. Just believe in this guy named Jesus 
and you're good to go. So for me, every time I did something wrong, made a mistake, chose to do what I I wanted instead of what God wanted, even purposely, I'd follow up with the statement like, sorry God, but I believe in you. Check. I believe in you. And I thought, still saved. And I would do this over and over and over again. But to have faith or your Christianity bring change, like internally, that was not what I had nor expected. And that's what I started to realize. I misunderstood some things about faith. Where would you say you're at in your faith right now? Is your faith in Jesus, is it leaking out internal change? If so, in what ways would you say is leaking? If not, have you just claimed belief in Jesus as this good man and called it good because it's actually more than that, that I think often gets missed. I mean, look at what James says in the Bible. James 2.19, he says, You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. I mean, the Bible says even evil, those who are unsaved, believe in God. So for us to be saved, as in have forgiveness for our mistakes that lead to death, and have this everlasting life with God one day, we obviously need something more. Because if demons believe in God and they're where we don't want to go, we obviously need something more. So what is it? What is it? And I think the answer is actually in those verses we first read. I'll read them for you again. Acts 16.31. And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you really analyze some of those verses, they say a common word of, did you hear it? Lord. Lord. They said, believe in Lord Jesus. Declare Jesus is Lord. This might just be me, but when I hear the word Lord... My mind doesn't really process it as anything special at first. Like, if I really think about it, what I think of this is, like, this is what comes to mind. This is where my mind goes. I think of this song. Anybody know this song? It's Royals by Lord. That's what comes to my mind. When I I hear Lord, I think, Lord, she needs to start making more music. She's good. It's a good song. And then, like, my mind kind of wanders a little bit more when I hear the word Lord. It makes me think of the movie Shrek. Who's a Shrek fan? Anybody? Bachelorette number one. Bachelorette number two. Or bachelorette number three. Three. three Pick number three, three my lord. Oh, That's what okay, comes to okay. mind for me. Number I don't three. know why. Lord Farquaad, you've chosen. And then finally, the, I guess the only other Lord that I can think of as when I hear the word Lord, the term comes out as in Lord of the Rings. You know, the, the, the statement, of course, the picture in my mind is like, my precious, right? But the Lord of the Rings is what comes to mind when I hear the word Lord. Those movies were all about becoming the ruler or one in authority and powerful over the rings. And that last reference, the Lord of the Rings is actually close to what the word Lord actually means. According to the dictionary, Lord is defined as someone having power or authority or influence, a master or a ruler. It's not really something we say or affirm about anything or anyone these days because it's a pretty big statement or word or a, or a thing to profess as in Lord. That is, that's a big statement. So when we apply that understanding to our verses... The question for faith is, do you believe Jesus is Lord? 
as in having power, authority, or influence, that he is the master or ruler of your life. That declaration is the belief we are to have. And that's something that I think a lot of us might not be willing to affirm. I mean, I'm going to be a bit vulnerable with you here for a second, but as a man, I, it takes a lot for me to ever like tell someone or say that someone does something better than me or to affirm that they have authority of me in a certain area of life. Not because I'm amazing at everything. I'm not. It's just I don't want to declare it. I don't want to affirm it. I just don't. It's awkward to do. And let's be real. Like, no man is really into like lifting up other men, right? Like, yeah, you're, you're awesome. You have authority. You're better. No man really does that. It's sad but true. And I kind of contribute to it, unfortunately, because if I'm going to be honest here for a second, I'm the person who, if I'm out golfing with another guy who just gets destroyed, like he does way better than me, and if someone asks me, like, yeah, you got, like, is he, is he pretty good? I'd be like, yeah, he's all right. I think I just had a bad day. He's all right, though. I just had a bad day. Or I'm with that person fishing who catches, like, who catches things like dozens of fish, and he's just catching them nonstop, and I catch none. And I'll be like, ah, he's just lucky this day. He's just lucky. Or I'm that person, like, I'll be singing in the car next to Sydney, my wife, and uh, she's a good singer. And if I don't hit a note, I'll be like, ah. she'll, like, give me the look. Like, wow. I'll be like, I'm just pitchy today. I'm just pitchy. We're, we're, we're equal playing field. Even if I was playing b-ball against LeBron James and I obviously lost, I'd still be like, it just wasn't my day. This wasn't my day. It wasn't a good day for me. I don't want to submit to anyone physically. So why would I want to submit to Jesus, kind of this invisible God? Where are you at in this? You should be able to tell because faith and declaring Jesus as Lord, it should change things in you. It should ooze out of you. Declaring Jesus as Lord, it wasn't something I was willing to say growing up. Like, I wasn't willing to say that Jesus is Lord or he is better than me when it comes to choosing things in my schedule, my desires, how I approach my relationships, my my approach to fun or money, uh, what I should do in certain situations, my approach to what I should do on the weekends. Can you relate? If so, that might be honestly why you haven't experienced the change from God leaking out of you, or the publicness of faith growth. Because frankly, this faith change from believing that there is a God uh, or God or that Jesus is a good God, of believing just that, to believing that Jesus is Lord is necessary. The reason I bring this up today is before we can go any further with talking about how God gives you like the desire and the power, how God gives you those things, You need to first wrestle with the question, is Jesus Lord to you? I mean, that is uh, an essential start before you can really expect any lasting transformation from God. Two ways I I generally see it happen is, first, the first way would be intellectually. Like, intellectually, like, you may be, like, you've seen enough in the world that you have to believe in a God. Like, you just have to. The fine-tuning of the world, the impossibility of a complex creation without a designer just doesn't make sense to you. The unexplained miracles and maybe just the honest reflection of seeing that God's ways actually helped your life. Like, they helped you, uh, like, when you approached his ways on marriage or relationships or forgiveness or care, you saw that intellectually it works. 
So you declare it and you attempt to follow it. You don't get it right all the time, but you're trying because your heart has decided that Jesus is Lord. That's kind of one way I see a lot of people choose that. And then the other way would be uh, you, you, you hit rock bottom. You usually hit rock bottom where it's like, God, I need you because this is my last hope. I'm not a master, but I heard you can fix financial situations. I heard that you can fix marriages and relationships and addictions. You can help me find meaning and purpose when I couldn't on my own. And when you profess that and cling to that, God shows up. God shows up because he's Lord. Before we talk about how our faith actually churns things inside of us and changes things from us within and then comes out publicly, things that actually do good in the world, before we talk about any of that, i got to ask you, have you declared your belief in Jesus as Lord? If not, it's a decision you can make in your head and your heart of just saying, I don't know what's best, God. I don't know what's best, but I trust you do. I'm willing to submit you, to you and see, I believe you are Lord. Saying that it's this act of submission, something no one likes to do, but maybe you're ready. Maybe you're at that point today. If you're feeling this tug right now to maybe do that because you haven't before, or maybe, maybe you've believed, but not this way, that Jesus is Lord. Again, what you could say is, I don't know what's best, God, but I trust you to. I'm willing to submit to you and see I believe you are Lord. If you did that, you are now on a journey as a Christian, which is immensely exciting if you did. From there, though, if Jesus is Lord to you, get ready for some things to come out of you, to ooze out of you. You will start seeing Philippians 2.13, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Jesus' ways and his thoughts, they're going to start churning in you. They're going to start churning. I don't know if it's here. It might be here. Uh, but it's going to start churning inside you. And that churning is going to release things to make you noticeably different. Today may not be the day you've declared this for the first time, but it's maybe an awakening for you that you have been deaf or blind or just oblivious of that churning that God wants you to ooze out and live out. Because we do that with things. We do. Uh, I want to give you a little example of this. Uh, again, I might lose some of your respect in this example, but, but have you ever been the, a stinky person? Has anybody ever been like the stinky person? You don't have to raise your hand to that. Like that. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like, uh, like there's times where it's like you're the stinky person, but you didn't really realize that it's you, right? You're like, there's something. And then it's like, it's this common denominator, right? Like everywhere you go, there's this smell, and it's you. Well, I used to have like this pair of sandals. I brought them for you in case you want to smell them. I used to have these pair of sandals. Uh, they're, they're Keens. And uh, I'd work in this tiny office uh, at my last job. Tiny office. And every time I'd get to my office, I'd be like, it just smells. It just smells in here. Like it stinks. And it, I'm like, it must be my office. It must be my office. So every time I'd go in there, I'd doctor it all up. And like, so then it like kind of had a half smell, and then it also had a half like stinky smell. So I kept wearing those shoes, and every time I went in my office, it smells. Until finally, Sydney's like, your sandals are disgusting. They are disgusting. How do you not smell this? And like, after I like smelt them, I'm like, it's the sandals. Why do I still have them? I don't know. <laughs> 
But I brought them just in case if you want to get a whip. Well, the reason I share this is I was smelling the smell, but I was oblivious to where it was coming from. God might be churning something in you for a long time. You just wrote it off as something else or pondered it but never put it to being God churning you. Why do I maybe always feel I have to care for others? Maybe that's what's turning inside you. Why do I feel I need to help people in need? Or why do I always feel I need to, to like pray or, or do something at, at like dinner time or when I'm with people? Why do I feel I need to fight when I'm facing injustice? God maybe has been churning things in you. And the way he works is through prompting you, prompting you in that way. Jesus is no longer here physically but he wants his stench. He wants his stench to be smelt around. Acts 1.8, it says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is going to release things in you to make you noticeable and a witness of him. And the three things that you can know will be churning inside you that you can make sure that you are not oblivious to because they will come out of you at some point is you are to love differently learn intentionally, and live sincerely. I don't know if you've noticed, they're all L's. They're all L's. As pastors, we get extra credit when we do stuff like that. But here they are again, like love differently, learn intentionally, and live sincerely. To start with the first one, love differently. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. it says this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. The first, this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. We are to love God first and then love others. I don't know about you, but loving me first is quite natural for me. It is quite natural for me. But when you start thinking about others or God first, that is strange. That is different. It's a noticeable and strange difference. The verse I just read, it doesn't negate that we don't love ourselves. It knows we love ourselves. I mean, it says love our neighbor as ourselves. So God knows we obviously know how to love ourselves well. But when you declare Jesus is Lord, there's something in you that just wants to obey, that you want to love him. So you're going to have this inner battle to love differently than what you're used to. There's a quote that I think summarizes up what a follower of God is to do well. And it says this, we give up things we love for things we love even more. That describes the different love we're to have. Like, you're going to love you still, that's for sure, but you're going to have this churning or this feeling inside where you feel you should give things up that you love for things you love even more. What's that thing on your mind? What's that thing on your mind? What's that thing that's been churning inside you? Is it maybe a ministry idea that takes some of your free time, but you know the time is worth it? Or maybe it's a mission that's going to take some of your money or use some of your money, but you know its impact. Or maybe it's a personal or style sacrifice that you have to give up, but you know it helps the cause. You and I, even though God churns in us, we still have our personal loves, our personal styles and choices. But when we submit to God as Lord, we love these things, but we are to consciously choose to love his ways even more. What's that way for you? How is love leaking out of you that's different than those around you? 
The second thing that we are to do is we are to learn intentionally. If we go back to Philippians, a, a chapter or two earlier, Paul says in uh, Philippians 1.9, I pray that, you love, that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. He says our love is to grow and to overflow, but our knowledge and understanding is to keep growing as well. We are to purposefully learn more. Are you intentionally learning, trying to understand more? Embracing opportunities for knowledge and understanding for God? I'm just out, of, uh, just out of curiosity right now. Who in this group loves or loved school? Who are my people? Okay, a few of you. Very few of you. All right, very few of you. Who would say, like, they are not the smartest, but they were pretty good at school? Anyone? Okay, awesome. Who would say they might not be the smartest, and man, they were horrible at school too? Okay, sorry, you're out of luck. Um, if that's you, um, kidding. But, um, but, but for me, growing up, I definitely, I wasn't the smartest, but man, I knew how to do good in school. I knew how to do good in school and with assignments. Like, for example, did you know most math books, they have the answers in the back? All the odds are usually in the back. That's half the questions. Copy those. All right, that's a little tip for you kids. Sorry, uh, sorry, parents. Uh, or the biggest hack for me was rubrics. Who remembers rubrics? Anybody remembers rubrics? Okay, who's maybe getting a little nervous chill when I say the word rubric? Like you're like, ah, rubric, I don't want, uh, I hate rubrics. Bringing back bad memories. All right, so example, like what a rubric would do is like, it would be like the explanation of what is needed on an assignment. So for example, let's say it's an art rubric, like and it's a self-portrait. It would say something like, must have all body parts uh, above the neck for four points. And then if let's say you're missing some, it'd be three points and two and one. And then like it would say another category, it must have all facial, facial features for four points. And then it must show emotion for four points. And then it must use three colors. And this is like the type of thing that I would turn in. Like, I'd be like, okay, I'd turn this in in like 12th grade. You know, like, here, here's my self-portrait. Right? I'd be like, this is what was on the rubric. I got my three colors. Yeah, check, 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 right? I was so good at school, I wasn't a good drawer, obviously. Now, the reason I tell you this is I was in school learning, right? Technically, yes. But was I intentional about my actual learning? No. No. And it wasn't getting me smarter. It wasn't getting me wiser. When it comes to God and Him being Lord of your life, you're going to have to have this internal push. You're going to naturally have this internal push to read your Bible, to attend church, to, to learn more about Him, to think about Him often, to try to understand Him. And it's really easy to have resistance to these things and to have more of a rubric-like approach to those things. Are you intentionally trying to learn more, grow, and understand God? For you, what does that look like? What does it look like that's, that's maybe different than others to intentionally learn? For you, is it showing up, but not just showing up to church or on a Sunday or wherever, but taking notes and trying to take something away from the message, like looking for that thing that, that maybe God is trying to speak to you through the preaching done on Sundays? Is it maybe reading your Bible, to, not to just check something off the list, but to understand God better? 
Maybe it's like actually like thinking about the things that you that prompt in your mind of curiosity about God, and not just shutting it down, thinking like, ah, oh, I'll just think about my nothing box, or I'll think about fishing or hunting or whatever else. There should be this churning inside you to learn more. You might not desire it completely, and you can usually silent it and suppress it a bit, or even avoid it. But if Jesus is Lord, will you embrace the public change in how and what you write and listen to and think about? The last thing that should come publicly out of you is you should live sincerely. Revelation 3.15 to 16, it says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. God knows you are going to go through these lukewarm stretches. You're going to just go through times where you're not hot or cold. It's just part of life where there isn't a lot brewing. But his desire for you, as we see in Revelation, is for you to live and have your works be changed publicly, as in being something hot, noticeable, not half in, not halfway done, but full on for him. Where would you say that you are at in that? Where are you at in living fully for him? Are you living for him sincerely? Like, is your faith bleeding out into other areas of life right now? Are his ways part of your weekday, not just Sundays? Is it part of your, your talk with not just your church friends, but your work friends too? Is it part of your lifestyle all the time? God wants you full on, not lukewarm. Today, as we're not quite in the public right now. We were going to be publicly at, at Buttermilk, uh, but soon we will be outside of the church walls. So with that, I want you to make sure that you're analyzing your faith and have it be public, noticeable. Have you declared Jesus as Lord? If so, what's public? What's leaking out of you? Are you loving differently? Are you learning intentionally? Or are you living sincerely? I'm going to pray that whatever's maybe churning inside of you right now, that you continue on the path of, of publicly loving, learning, and living, and that God doesn't let it be suppressed no longer by you, but helps you let it out. Would you pray with me as I ask for God to help us with that? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for giving us just a clear example of, of, of how we are to profess that you are Lord. God, help us do that. That's such a hard statement to make, that you are authority, but God, some of us right now, we, we know we want that. We've tried it on our own. We know we want you to, to lead our life. So help us with that. And then God, help us publicly live out our faith. Let it ooze out of us. Not, don't let us suppress it, but help us publicly live out our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.